Tonight is November 18th, I think, 2015, and the title of tonight's sermon is Treasured Possession, Treasured Possession. Um, Steph, can you put up the slide, the last slide from the sermon before, from Sunday? Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. I know we're kind of starting at the end, but uh, you'll understand why here in a second. (laughs) I figured y'all knew the rest of it by heart, so we'd just start right here. Revelation chapter 1, and let's start in verse 4. Revelation 1, 4, say there when you are there. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. Wow. And from the seven spirits before the throne, before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Um, We talked about it on Sunday where we had our greater testimony. I've noticed a few things, and you'll, you'll have to kind of come along with me on this. Um, in this one message tonight, we're going to recap about five of our previous messages. Amen. Not its entirety. I'm going to reference them, so if you can't remember what it was about more than the title, then you can go back. And uh, we have a website, we have an app that you can go back, and I encourage you, I would expect as our body of Christ that we're listening to these things more than once. I do. We, uh, we are such a word-centric folks, and sometimes you get it, and, it, and it's speaking to you in one way on the day of, and uh, we don't want to go so quickly in the next information that we're learning that we disregard the things that the Lord just spoke to us. If you're like me, sometimes I have to, uh, I have to sit on the thought for a while. I have to think about it. I have to just give me a minute, let me process it, let me go away somewhere and think through it more, because I don't want to just hear it and go, man, that was incredible, and then I walk away and... Maybe you've never done this, but I've done it. Tell me about Sunday. Sunday was awesome. What did they teach about? I have no idea. Uh, But it was great. Right? I I would tell by your laughter, maybe you've done the same thing, right? That was incredible. I have no idea what took place. If we're actually going to be a church that makes disciples, while it's funny and while we've all done it at some point, that can't be us. Amen? When we hear uh, teaching at Foundations on a Monday night, you know what we can't do? It's just go, wow, that was really great. And then we move on our way. We miss, um, you miss mining the Word of God. This is how we start doing it. We're in a service, we're together, and uh, Elder Baj presents something that talks about root upheaval. You know what you need to do? You need to be thinking about root upheaval, and you need to go look some things up. You need to take notes so that you come back to it and go, Lord, we're going to hide your Word in our heart so that we'll never sin against you. Lord, we want to see, if you are the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, if you are the one who was, you demonstrated yourself, you was the faithful witness. Right? I know that's technically, grammatically a little bit off. Right? I'm doing it for a reason. The one who was, and who is, and who is to come. If he has shown himself faithful, as the faithful witness, 
What does that do to your heart? If you think about our mighty king being a faithful witness to us, doesn't that encourage your heart? Doesn't that challenge your heart? Doesn't it incline your heart to want to do what he says? When we look at him as the firstborn from the dead, (laughs) almost like it's a deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. You know what it does in me? It causes my soul, my emotions, my thoughts, the inner part of who I am. It starts making me want to go, I can trust in this truth that's presented. The firstborn. If he's the firstborn, you know what it means for me? It means that he is the one. He's the the beta. He's the prototype. He's the one who's gone out before. And you know what? If I stay in him, I will get to participate in the exact same thing. Doesn't that? That starts washing over my soul. It starts teaching me something. It inclines. It warns me. And then I'll think about Jesus as the ruler of the kings. And it strengthens me. It strengthens my very being. It strengthens what we're supposed to be doing. And it inclines me to want to be empowered by a spirit. I just think about these things in a certain way. It, it, it all comes down to this. Um, I've been, and I know this is, this is a pretty basic thought, just the power of the word. Amen. You know what I've heard in a lot of our sermons lately? There are a lot of other voices. There are a lot of other things going on. But the word is the only truth that there is. Amen. The word causes us to believe that which we cannot see. This is what the Word of God does. <laughs> I used to kind of kid around with a, with a friend of mine as we were leading a, a group and uh, it was at another organization and I was sitting there and I was like, hey, this is all I have to do. All I have to do is see around every corner before we get there. And he'd kind of go, what? Yes, that's impossible. But that's exactly what we're trying to do as believers. We're trying to see around the corner, right? You, you can't, how can you see around the corner? Oh, the Word is the one that's already seen around the corner. It's already seen the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He can see and differentiate these things. And so I'm going to trust in the Word. The Word is what causes us to call someone who is not pregnant and say that you're going to get pregnant. Amen. Uh, but you don't understand. The doctors have told me something. that You don't understand medically. That's impossible. The Word of God can cause us to look at someone and say, you're going to have a child. You're going to have something that looks impossible. We're going to see around the corner and say that it's possible because of the Word of God. We're going to be able to look at people who are not capable and say, you can be powerful beyond measure. You can be filled with the Spirit limitlessly. This Spirit can be given to you in such an abundant manner that it will transform everything about you. This Word can cause us to be brave when we're hiding in a threshing floor. Like Gideon. This Word that can cause us to believe that which we cannot see, it causes us who are not a people And it can call us to be a people. We say that, and if you think about the nation of Israel, they're the smallest. He didn't pick them because they were great and big and awesome and powerful. He picked them because of the opposite reasons. That always gives me hope. (laughs) It always does. Do you know that they're still the same people? If you look at their history, they have had enough things happen in their history that they should have been destroyed a hundred times over. So let's pick a small group of people. Let's disperse them about the world. That'll pretty much end most things. Let's cause the most powerful nations in the earth to come against them time after time after time. Let's, and let's not cause their population to increase all that much over the last 2,000 years. Let's just, let's just keep them a smaller group of people. You know why? Because I'm going to show myself. They are not a people, but I'm going to call them and I'm going to make them a people. In, a, in our modern Christianity, you know what we do a lot? We try to make everything about us. Yeah. Mm. 
What is my call? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, that is a part of this. I'm going to just put this under the both and category. Is there an individual call? Well, yes, but there's also a corporate call here. There's also a body of Christ that we are called to be a part of and function properly within the body. You do not function. You cannot function by yourself. Even if you're from Louisiana, you can't be by yourself. Oh, you see what I did there? Okay. All right. That was just for you. Um, We're not designed to be separated from the body and function. Any part of your body that gets separated will no longer function. It has to be reattached. It has to stay part of it. Any vine that's taken, any branch that's taken off from the vine can no longer function. We must believe the Word of God over what we feel. Baj had an incredible message about root upheaval. Baj, I have to tell you that at one point you did this little thing and it was, I think it was very much in the moment, but it, it was like my mind took a snapshot of that moment. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You'll see something in that one picture kind of place. You were standing here and you're talking about God wanting to lead you somewhere and it's almost like you had one foot stuck in concrete. And the way that you did that was a mental picture for me. I went, oh, wow, I felt that way before. I understood that perfectly in what he did to go, there's been some things that the Lord has told me to do and there's a reluctance. There's a, a feeling of, I'm not sure that this is going to work out. What happens if I fail? When we moved to Austin, Texas, there was a thought in our mind like, what if we're wrong? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to move away from everybody. What if we're wrong? And we had to ignore what we felt. We had to let the root upheaval take place in our life so we would just go anywhere he told us. And our, our final decision was, Lord... If we are going to fail, it's easy to see after the fact if you're going to win or not, right? There are truth is we can't go by what we feel. We have to go by what the word of God is telling us and said, you told us to go. So even if we fail, we'd rather fail trying to do what you're telling us to do. Let that that be the kind of failure that we get. And by the way, you won't. (laughs) If you walk out in faith, he'll always meet you. But it always feels like failure is imminent. Lord, I'm at the time, Lord, I'm 35, I've got a family of five, I'm making good money where I am, you want me to leave that, make less money, and move away? Sounds like a plan to me. (laughs) Because I see the men and women in the Bible, and the ones who are in the hall of fame for faith, you know what they did? They always did what God told them to do. It was always an act of obedience, they always disregarded what they felt versus the word of God. We have to believe the Word of God over what we hear. And the message, no regret. We talked about different types of advisors. Who's speaking in your ear? We had sinful advisors and worldly advisors and selfish advisors and bitter advisors. We were talking about the person named Ahithophel. We were walking through Second Samuel when we did that. We have to believe the Word of God over what we hear. Even if it's coming from ourselves. It's one thing to have advisors and counselors around you that are telling you the wrong things, but it's a whole entirely different thing to have yourself be the bad counselor. You keep telling yourself. We're very persuasive, by the way. I'm very persuasive with myself. I talk to myself a lot. (laughs) Sometimes out loud, but most of the time not. We have to believe the Word of God. If there is a discrepancy... Our church get, can get an, uh, an interesting rap sometimes. 
during our counseling. What we do in our counseling is, says, is to say, here's what the Word of God says. Here's what you're doing. The only discussion that we need to have is how you're going to close that gap. That's the only discussion. Not, tell me about your past. Not, let us take a moment to empathize with you because you know what? We just believe that the Word of God is true. <laughs> and if you're like me, may, maybe we'll empathize with you too much. And we'll actually, inadvertently, by mistake, do a terrible thing and we'll encourage you not to actually get to where the Word of God tells you to get. So instead of doing that, you know what we say? Word of God says this. You are here. All we need to talk about is how we're going to close the gap. Not why you're here. Not what happened to you. Not all the reasons that you could. Oh, yes, we sympathize with you. And all we want you to do because we actually want to help you. Because the Word of God is going to be it's the most amazing counselor that we can ever find. The Holy Spirit speaking to us is what's going to actually transform us. It might feel good to someone have someone pat you on the back. But the truth is, is we all need to be transformed to be like Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you're going to say that now, but we'll see, we'll see the next time we counsel you, right? Amen? We have to believe the Word of God over what we feel. Bosch helped us learn about that. We have to believe the Word of God over what we hear. We have to believe the Word of God over what we're surrounded by. Pastor Eric had an incredible message on semantic drift. Remember semantic drift? We started talking about words in our society that are being redefined. Love, gender, marriage, truth, all kind of different things that came. There's the semantic drift, which is funny because semantic drift is talking about a word that shifts. So we're saying... Stand on the word that doesn't shift. Stand on the, stay, let's stand with the one who has no shadow of turning. There's not even a hint. There's not even a need to flinch in another direction than what the word of God tells us. We must believe the word of God over what we are sometimes. Buddy encouraged us with the word last week about having a heart transplant. That God would re- replace our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Lord, I am not. Well, amen. In spite of what I am or I am not, God, I choose to believe and I choose to obey your word, even if I think that I can't do it. I will not let my opinion of myself and of my own heart keep me from doing what you said. Tonight, let's turn to Exodus chapter 19. Lest you think I'm just going to talk to you and not get in the word very much here. So, Exodus 19. We're going to start off in the law. (laughs) We're going to progress to the prophets and then the writings and end in the New Testament almost as if the entire Word of God is exactly what we need. Exodus chapter 19. And we remember, what does the law do? The law, it inclines our heart. It inclines our heart. It helps us. The law gives us the formation of the nation of Israel. It's supposed to help us and mold our hearts. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to read this word, and it's going to begin to incline our heart towards godliness. Because that is the function of this passage. In the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt. So the third month after Passover... 
We'll come back to that. On the very day, (laughs) they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. The mountain. Okay? I, I won't take time to go back, but if you're there on our Monday nights in Foundation, Pastor Eric has already taught on the very mountain that they are at now is the very mountain where we find out that the burning bush is. We're back. And everything that, is, that God had said would happen, happened exactly as He said it would happen. Huh. Okay. Verse 3, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt. Let's, let's just take this and be personal for just a second. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. Don't you have testimony in your own life of what you've seen God do? You have had time after time after time. If you've been in the Lord at all, if you have been in the Lord a short time, then you at least have a few things. (laughs) How He saved you. (laughs) How He let the death angel pass over you and allowed you into the kingdom. Right? You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you. Has the Lord had to carry you before? Goodness gracious, He's had to carry me times. Lord, I'm too tired. I can't go on. Yeah, you can. Of course you can. That's what you're born to do. When you've been born again, this is what you've been created to do. Of course you're going to carry on. Because you know why? Even if you don't have the strength, He's going to carry you on eagle's wings. And brought you to Myself. Reminds me of some wedding vows. Reminds me of Exodus 6. It reminds me of a lot of different things that he's referencing here that the people would have caught. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant. Wow. Obey me fully and keep my covenant. Then out of all the nations... Oh, here it is. You will be my treasured possession. Out of all the people on this planet, I'm picking you. <laughs> I'm picking you. You're going to be my treasured my special, my anointed. There's something special about you guys. There's something special because he's calling them and he's saying, I want to do this for you. Please, I'm, I'm going to lay it out so that you can obey me even when you're tired, even when you're weak. You're going to remember what I've done for you. You're going to realize that I can carry you and I'm going to take you to be myself so that I can empower you to do exactly what I'm telling you to do. Right? It's always funny. I don't know if you guys had grandparents like this. I did. They, were, they would tell each of the grandkids, don't, don't tell anybody else. But you, you're my favorite. Right? Uh, God's not doing this to everyone. He's saying to those who will follow His Word, you're treasured. You're special to me. When we get caught up and we forget simple things like this that the Bible just clearly lays out, we are His treasured possession. Quit looking at your own inadequacies. Quit looking at where you fail. Quit looking at your weaknesses as if God needed you to be strong to accomplish something through you. And remember that He's calling you His treasured possession. That should change how some of us in this room live our lives. If you understood those two words, you're my treasured possession. Hmm. 
I'm going to attempt to believe the Word of God over what I feel. I'm going to successfully believe the Word of God over what I may hear, what I may think, what I may see. I'm going to take the Scripture and go, Lord, I'm your treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, (laughs) just in case you forgot, I own it all. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests. For who? Well, for the rest of the world. (laughs) A kingdom of priests. Why? So we can go around and be priestly to each other. (laughs) Okay. That'll be fun, I guess. Because he wants us... When we talk about the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, he's going to be our ruler. We're going to be ruling as kings, a kingdom of priests for our Lord. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. As you're thinking through this, as you're putting yourself here, as you're listening to these words, I know you've probably read it a hundred times, and as you're listening to them again, think of the time that it's taking here. Moses has to go up the mountain. There's no elevator, escalator, lift, stairs. He's going up the mountain, and the Lord talks to him. And then he comes down the mountain. And then he presents exactly what God just said to the people. And the people respond. And then he turns and goes back up the mountain. This is taking time here. This is, lest we think that everything that God does should be on our timetable or be done so quickly, we forget there's time that's traversing here. It's passing by. So what is it going to look like for us? We're going to hear the word of the Lord and we're going to respond. And you know what? There's going to be time. <laughs> Wait, did I, did I just hear the Lord? Did I hear the Lord right? Well, yeah, you did, but there's just time. Things just need time. Not your time, not my time, but the time that God designates. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you. Uh, nope, I skipped. I'm sorry. Oh, no. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Wow. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. (laughs) And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Looky there, third day. Huh, interesting. Because on that day, everybody say that day. The Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Can I just want to encourage you for a moment. This is one of the most unique days in the history of mankind that we're preparing for here, right? A day that an entire nation will hear the audible voice of God. The entire group of people. Everybody. Everybody up in here is going to hear... All them peoples are going to hear... The word of the Lord in a single day. This is incredible. But you know what? That, well, you know what's required. Look in verse ten. Mo, Lord told, said to Moses, "Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes." Well, that's interesting. Yeah. 
have, it's okay. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> At least the angel. Uh, wash your clothes. Have everything about you cleansed. Sometimes we look at these things and we're going, again, consecrate yourselves. Well, I will in my heart and in my mind. No, we're, just going, to, we're going to actually talk about everything about you that needs to be cleansed. Everything about you. Your heart, yes, absolutely. Your soul, absolutely. Your strength, absolutely, needs to be consecrated to the Lord. Verse 12, put limits. Everybody say put limits. Put limits. For the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Um, if you're a parent, you understand putting limits. If you're a boss, you understand putting limits. Why is it that we look at the limits that the Lord puts as grievous things? He loves you. He cares about you. And He will put limits in your life because He's trying to teach you something. He's trying to watch your obedience and actually let it be part of the consecration part in your own life. I remember being in high school and what a, what a silly, immature thought that I'm about to share. And I remember thinking, Lord, this is not fair. This is not fair. I'm trying to live a righteous life. Ain't nobody around me have to do things that I have to do. They can go out and do whatever and party and do whatever. But Lord, I have limits in my life. And I remember kind of complaining to the Lord. I mean, I'm not that I wanted to sin. I just, I just, I don't like the limits. Huh. Until I considered the end of their ways. <laughs> I, this, the scriptures in the Psalms came to me. God showed me and said, you think that they have no problems until you consider their end. And the Lord rebuked me for those thoughts. He said, shame on you. Oh, Lord, the limits are good things in my life. The things that I can't do, I won't focus on those things. I'll look at what you're giving me to do and realize that I'm cherished and I'm a treasured possession. Be careful uh, that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. That's interesting. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. Or whatever it would sound like. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them. God spoke. Moses did. And they washed their clothes. It's not all on the leader. Each individual person had a responsibility to be a part of the consecration. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. Wait, we were just talking about washing our clothes. <laughs> There's very few times where it actually says that in the Word. God must have been trying to get some attention and saying, this is such an incredible day. I, I want you to understand. I want to get your attention. Are you paying attention? <laughs> my dad used to, my, my dad was a football coach for a long time and, and, a, and a teacher, so he'd always go, do you hear me? Uh, he'd, he'd, he'd do this thing with his ear. Like, thank you, Dad, for the visual along with the words because, you know, <laughs> you hear me? Are you, are you hearing me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, coach, father, dad, sir. <laughs> I will listen to you. Basically, he was asking me in those moments to do what we do with there. 
are you hearing me and are you understanding what I'm saying? Do I have your attention yet? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, you do. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Very loud. Huh. Everyone in the camp trembled. Have you ever had a noise that just startled you to death? Like somebody walked in. I did something to somebody the other day. What was it? can't remember. Had a loud noise and literally somebody in my family just like jumped. Ah! Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. I'm kind of sensitive about loud noises. After teaching music as long as I did, it actually hurts sometimes. I'm like, ah, oh, it's too loud. It was loud enough that everybody trembled. A long trumpet blast from the heavens. Everyone in the camp trembled. Verse 17, Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. Wow. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The truth is, is my opinion is the, mount, the real Mount Sinai has still a charred top on it, right? Even today. The actual <laughs> Mount Sinai. The smoke built up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. A big giant mountain trembling violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Got like to an 11. It it started off loud enough to cause all the people to tremble. Then the cloud is descending on the top of this mountain. It's dense. There's these things happening and the whole mountain is shaking violently. Then the, the trumpet gets louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Wow. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so that they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. You know what? Part of this is because this is taking a long time to happen. This is going on. This is a process. This is not like just a momentary thing. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us. Right? A few verses before, a guy was saying, don't let anybody come up. You yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. Verse 24, the Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. We're going to move on from this here in just a second, but he's up. God himself is there. The, the trumpet of God. And you know what God is still worried about? He's still worried about the condition of the people. He's saying, Moses, I need you to go down and tell them. But Lord, you've already told me to tell them this, and I've already told them. And God says, go down and tell them again. Because I, in this moment, I don't want to have to break out against them. I've done this before as a parent. There have been times when I'm like, look, here's what I need you to do. I didn't say it quite this way, but my thought was, I'm about to break out against you. So I need you to go over there. Don't say a word. Don't explain a thing. I just need you to move. Because lest my wrath get poured out upon you. (laughs) Just for your sake. For your sake, you need to... Right? 
I can almost see the Lord doing, go down and tell them again. You know why? Because I know them. And just because I told them something doesn't mean that they'll actually all follow it. Maybe there's some adrenaline junkies. They're like, this is so cool. We got to go be a part. Don't do this or I'm going to break out against you. The problem with the scriptures is it often reminds me of myself. <laughs> how many times, some, in, in cases, how many times does the Lord have to tell me, don't do that. Quit viewing yourself that way. Quit allowing this to happen in your life. And he has to send someone else down and says, hey, hey, you know what tonight is for some of us? Tonight is, is Moses coming down from the mountains and, hey, the Lord, is, <laughs> he doesn't want to have to break out against you. So how about we realign ourselves with what he's already told us? Amen. How about we consider the ways that the Lord has already showed us to operate in? Um, let's turn to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32. So Moses is up on the mountain. The people get tired of waiting because he has now gone up on the mountain. He stayed there some 40 days or so. So logically, no, not really, I'm being facetious. They create a golden calf because he's been up there for 40 days. Wow, great. You just saw the overthrow of an entire nation. Three months ago, three months ago, you saw death ravage a nation you saw a sea split and water on both sides like walls and you walked through on dry ground and then the bad guys came and the lord decimated them all he's been providing for you and now after 40 days you're going to build an idol exodus 32:15 says this moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. I love the way it says that. Two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. I don't know if the picture I had growing up was of Charlton Heston. It says it was written on the front and the back. Huh. Interesting. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it's not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear. Because the Lord had already told him what was going on. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and dancing, and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf that they had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder. How long does it take to burn a golden calf in the fire? Did he carry it? Did he push it into a fire? I don't know. I'm, this is my process as I'm reading through this, to try to slow my brain down and go, what is happening right here? He burned a golden calf in the fire. I don't know how long that takes. It takes a while. And then... He ground it to powder. And then he scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. All right, you, drink it. Okay, you, drink it. One million people later, you, drink it. 
there's a picture, there's something that we're seeing here. If you do it too quickly, if you run it, read over those things, you miss, you miss what's going on. He said to Aaron, verse 22, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Verse 22, God help him. Do not be angry, my Lord. Aaron answered, You know how prone these people are to evil. But don't, you felt that? Yeah, you felt those speed bumps? Yeah, he just threw the whole nation of Israel under the bus. <laughs> They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. I mean, there's still some cloud and fiery stuff going on up on top of the mountain, but we don't know. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. And they gave me the gold and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. (laughs) When you're confronted with the truth, it's not as if God doesn't know exactly what's been going on, right? One of the things that I learned as an assistant principal, and, I, and I, I, I'm going to overly generalize for a second, everybody would come in and lie to me at first. Mr. Sutherland, I don't know what you're talking about. Of course you know what I'm talking about. You think I called you in because I had nothing better to do today? So what do you, ta- you, t- you tell me what went on. <laughs> and sometimes they're like the little kid in the Goonies movie. They were just like, okay, one time when I did this, and this time I did that. You're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'd just be like, of course you did. Of course I know all these things. Sometimes they'd spill the beans on stuff I didn't even know. We'd just wrap it all up and take care of it at one time. It was great. you know. People have a tendency to lie in the moment because we don't want to actually admit that we, that we have sinned and that we are out of alignment. The Word is here, and we're here, and we notice that there's a gap. Don't be the kind of people that notices there a gap and fight to say that there's not a gap there. Don't be, don't be those people. That doesn't help you, not even for a moment, not even for an instant, not even for a second. Do we want to say, here's the standard of the Word, and I know that I'm here, and I'm going to fight to explain why I'm really not here, why I'm really closer to the Lord. Just stop. It doesn't help you to grow. This is what Aaron, Aaron is doing here. Out came this calf, verse 25. Moses saw the people were, look at this, running wild. Everybody say running wild. wild. And that Aaron had let them get out of control. Everybody say out of control. control. And so they became a laughing stock. Everybody say became a laughing stock. That's not a good trifecta to get there, is it? Running wild, out of control, became a laughing stock to their enemies. Verse 26, so he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, each man strap a sword to his side. When we can come and align ourselves to the word and get the word on us, get the word by us, get the word in our hand, then what does that do? That sorts out everything else that's in our lives. I choose to go towards the word of the Lord. If the standard is there, I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to stay and pretend like nobody can see me. I'm going to go towards the word of the Lord. Because when I get there, he's going to empower me with that same word. And then it causes everything else in my life 
to be put into order. It brings shalom, right? When we fight the right battles, when we fight the Lord's battles that He tells us to do, it gets everything in order. It puts us in order. It puts our household in order. It puts our calling in order. It puts everything that we're supposed to accomplish in order. Just like this passage. Go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and his friend and his neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. I want to, we're talking about that we are a treasured possession and that really the Word of God in our lives should be a treasured possession. Here's one thing that our modern... Here's how easy it is to have semantic drift. I have heard it said, this is, by the way, this is the day of Pentecost. The Israelites, this is three months after the Passover, this is Pentecost. I have heard it said that on the day that the law was given, 3,000 people were killed. And in the New Testament, on the day that the Spirit was given, 3,000 people came into the kingdom and found life. Can I encourage you not to look at the Word of God and say that the day that the law was given, 3,000 people? How about you look at it as on the day that the law was given and people became disobedient to it? 3,000 people lost their lives. (laughs) It wasn't the law. The law is perfect. It revives the soul. This word is supposed to be so treasured to us. We have a different perspective in this church. (laughs) We're trying to have the accurate perspective, amen? We're going to look at the entirety of the Word of God and say it's precious to us. We're not going to look at the Old Testament and say, but we really, we, we love the New Testament. Even in this case, never again will I think on the day that the law was given, 3,000 people lost their life. I'll think, that they were disobedient, and that's what caused, not the law. Because it says that the law is bad, and grace is good. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say that the Older Testament was great, and the New Testament can be greater. Amen. I'm not going to look at it as a bad and good, which is what is overly simplified when you don't actually keep course correcting with exactly what the Word says. When you don't ignore what you hear, we're, we're a very soundbite-driven country, aren't we? Culture. If you give me the two-minute clip on YouTube, I would much rather have that than listen to the entirety of a speech. If you can tweet it to me or put it on the Facebook in a post, by the way, can I encourage you? This is just a pet peeve. When, when possible, don't do an entire theological discussion on Facebook. It's so silly. Call the person. Get them to come to church. Let's talk it out. This is people who think they're ninjas and they're fighting with like pool noodles. <laughs> You're like, seriously, all of you, stop it. Okay, there's my little advertisement. That was just my personal thing. That was my infomercial. There you go. Don't look at Pentecost and say <laughs> anything different than what the Word of God actually says about it. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. The reason that we want to get into the Word is so that we don't let other people's, even if it's a revelation, 
Maybe the person who originally said that the day the law was given, 3,000 were killed, and the day uh, the, the Spirit was given, 3,000 people came to life. Maybe they had an actual correct revelation about it, and by the time it gets to us, it's just this little cool saying. That's why we have to study the Word. That's why we have to get involved with the Word and let it speak to us so that we understand these differences that are going on so we don't have a drift from what the Word of God says. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. (laughs) And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I love this. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Uh, If this is the standard that Jesus Christ, this branch from the root of Jesse, is going to do, this is exactly how we should be. We can't be judging. We judge far too many times by what we see and by what we hear. If the Word of God says you're going to have a baby, then you're going to have a baby. Amen, John? It's just going to happen. When God says that you're a mighty warrior, you stand as a mighty warrior. Our women are going to get to go on an incredible advance, right? A retreat. I know the men don't retreat. We advance, so I figured the women would do likewise. (laughs) You know what you guys are going to go? You're going to hear from some mighty women in the faith. And they're going to give you words that will help incline your heart and warn your soul and direct your strength. And I encourage you women who are going to speak, who are going to present our elders and our pastor's wives, speak as the very oracles of heaven. It's not about how you feel. It's not about how we feel. It is about what God has called us to do. The only thing that matters is what the Word has said. And when you present that, it's going to be powerful. Ladies... If you haven't already been excited and expecting, expecting about it, you got, what, uh, 24 hours or so? Your lives are going to be changed. You're going to get to hear the Word of the Lord in a great way. You're going to get to recalibrate what's going on. You're going to get reminded of things that you have long since forgot. You're going to get told things that God will share about you about the direction for your life. Wish I, wish I could be there. It's going to be awesome. I'll be all right, though. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 19. We are now in the prophets. 2 Kings 19. And it says, let's start in verse 14. This is Hezekiah. He's being threatened by Sennacherib. Verse, uh, 2 Kings 19 and verse 14, it says this, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. What do you need to take and spread it out before the Lord? Instead of worrying about what you have going on, why don't you take it to the Lord and spread it out before Him? The decisions that you can't quite figure out yet, why don't you just take it and spread it out before the Lord? Why don't you lay it before Him and say, Lord, my inclination is that I want to worry. I want to fret. I want to doubt. I want to be afraid. I want to be insecure. But Lord, instead of doing those things, because I know that's not your will and that's not your way, I'm just going to lay it before you. 
here is what I could be worried about, Lord, but I'm going to trust you that you already know the answer and I'm going to seek out this answer from you. Lord, I lay it before you, Lord. Here it is. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord. <laughs> Lord, would you listen to me? God, can, can you hear me? Lord, give ear, O Lord. And hear, open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sinasherib has sent to insult the living God. I've prayed prayers like that. Lord, would you, would you take a look at this, Lord? Did you hear what they said? Would you look at this? Lord, I'm presenting it to you, right? The Lord gives His answer. Everybody look in verse 35. Same chapter, verse 35. Here's the answer as it was delivered. That night, the, Lord, the, I'm sorry, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all... There were all the dead bodies. God really doesn't need us, folks. (laughs) He chooses to use us. We must obey. And there are times when He will just overwhelm us with power and we'll just wake up one morning and the whole situation is different. Now we've got to figure out what to do with the dead bodies. (laughs) No, wait. (laughs) We can wake up and our enemies be completely decimated at our feet. While you are sleeping, the Lord can take care of everything you need in a single moment. Let's not be those who don't have any faith and wringing our hands and getting ulcers in our stomach and worrying about things. That's not who we are because the Word tells us that that's not who we are. We reflect Him and we know that He can handle it in a moment. So we just... Stand firm in His Word. First Chronicles chapter 14. We are now moving into the writings. First Chronicles 14. Because the writings will do what? It will help direct our strength. Yes. I intend to say the law of the prophet and the writing, that the law inclines our hearts, that the prophets help warn our soul, and that the writings help direct our strength. I hope to say that enough where it is so common that all of us can replicate that. If you cannot do it yet, I'm telling you that I'm doing it on purpose. And Pastor Eric does it on purpose. And we will continue to say it until you just know, just like you know that Tuesday follows Monday. This just is what the Word of the Lord does. First Chronicles chapter 14, and start in verse 8. And it says this, When the uh, Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they went up in full force. Everybody say full force. Full force. To search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. (laughs) Oh, great king. You're you're inauguration day. And the bad guys show up. (laughs) It's almost like when Abraham was making a covenant with the Lord and carrion birds showed up. In a most holy moment, there there is sometimes adversity. And you know what we do? We stand strong. We take it to the Lord. We lay it before Him. And we get exactly what we're supposed to do. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, Go, I will hand them over to you. So David and his men went up to Baal-perazim. 
and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. Ugh. Wish I had time to do that. That's, that's an incredible statement. So, this, so that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there. Wow. And David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Yay. Good story, right? Next verse. Once more the Philistines raided the valley. So same exact scenario, right? So David inquired of God again and God answered him. He says, do not go straight up. Just because you're in a similar situation doesn't mean that you should ignore laying something before the Lord. This is supposed to direct our strength. If we see the same situation, go, I got it. I know what to do because I did this last time. You could miss what the Lord's telling you to do. How about in every situation, we bring it before the Lord so that He can say, this is what I need you to do right now, Steve. Today, this is what I want you to do. I, but Lord, last, yesterday I did it this way, and we're in the exact same scenario. So according to my uh, decision matrix, it says this, and then here in the fact, so I should do this again. God says, I don't care about your decision matrix. I don't care about the filter that you have. If it's not the Word... We're going to put it to the side. And we're going to find out what the Word tells us to do, what God's presence is showing us. So David inquired again, and God answered him, Do not go straight up, but circle around them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. And he wins this victory as well. Everybody turn to Psalm 19. Again, in the writing. I'm going to do this very quickly because I want to get somewhere else. Psalm 19. Law inclines the heart, the prophets, the Navim, they warn the soul. The writings, the Ketuvim, helps direct our strength. Let's look at verse 7. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is... Perfect. Okay. Caught you you sleeping. We're going to do it again. Y'all help me out. The law of the Lord is... Perfect. It revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are... Trustworthy. Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is and endures forever. The ordinances of the Lord are we got some different words, sorry. They're sure, they're reliable. And altogether what? They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey. Have you ever just had someone give you the right word or you read a word and it just washed over you and it was just the sweetest thing in your mouth? Oh. When I look at what the law is, it's perfect, it's trustworthy, it's right, it's radiant, it's pure, it's enduring, it's sure, it's righteous, it's precious, it's sweeter than honey. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. When I see what the law, when I see what the Word of God is, how can I think that the law, the day the law was given, there's death? I see that there's reviving of my soul. There's reviving of our souls. There's making wise the simple. There's giving joy to the heart. Gives light to the eyes. This, this is what the Word of God is supposed to do in us. When, when we, who doesn't want this? <laughs> Older and Newer Testament. 
verse 7. I, I, wanna re- I just want to read it again because the word is this good. If any of these things are things that you need, I'm telling you right where to find them. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Is your, does your soul need reviving tonight? Amen. Are, are you fatigued? Are you worn out? Are, are you tired? Are you struggling? Amen. The law of the Lord is perfect. Amen. It's going to revive your soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. It's almost like the book of James, right? If any of you lack wisdom, why don't you ask? Well, how do we ask? We ask Him and we get in His Word because it makes us wise, even if we're simple. It's not about your intellect. I don't care how smart you think you are or how smart you think you aren't. His Word, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. The precepts of the Lord, they're right. Other people may not think it. You may not always think it. I'm telling you, the precepts of the Lord, they're right. Giving joy to the heart. The joy of the Lord is our... Are you lacking in strength? Maybe it's because you're lacking in joy. Maybe it's because you're lacking in the power of the Spirit being at work in you. The precepts of the Lord, they're right. The commands of the Lord are radiant. They're radiant. They're full of light, giving light to the eyes. Are you having trouble seeing what you're supposed to do next? Are you having trouble figuring out something in your life? The commands of the Lord are radiant. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Man, this is powerful, folks. I know it's a Wednesday night. I get it. It's still powerful. In what areas are you allowing what you think and what you see and whatever you've decided to be more powerful than what the Word of God is in your life? Are, are we allowing our faculties, what we possess, to be reality instead of going to the Word of God? In what ways are we allowing our reality? How do I feel? Well, I feel nervous. So therefore, I will act this way. You know why? Because I feel nervous. My foot had almost slipped <laughs> until he can make my feet like Heinz feet. Oh, he, he can make me sure-footed even in the most slippery of places. Which, which, where do we want to live? It's easy to live here. We do it without thinking. We can do it here in this church. Having the Word of God showered upon us There are more teachers per capita here than anywhere I've ever been. More people who can preach and teach than anywhere you ever want to be. And you and I can live in our own bubble. In our own reality of what we see, what we think. I don't know why God has taken this long. I don't understand this. I don't like this. Instead of going, Lord, here's where I'm weak. Here's where I lack wisdom. I'm going to lay it before you and I'm going to trust that your word has the right answer. I may not even know it yet, but I'm just going to put my faith over here because this is tiring over here. This wears me out. You know what? I don't sleep well when I'm over here. You know why? Because I'm just all stressed out and I can't get to sleep. Over here, sleep like a baby. Why? Has has the situation changed? Nope. I've just placed my trust... Some may trust in horses and some may trust in chariots 
And some people may trust in their own intellect. And some people may trust in their own bank account. And some people may trust in whatever it is that they actually trust in. But I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord. Because you know what? I'm His treasured possession. I'm special enough to Him that He wanted a kingdom of priests and He chose me to be a part. Not because I'm standing on the stage. Turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll close from here. First Peter chapter 2. This is very familiar. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people. <laughs> By the way, we do realize that he's speaking to the nation of Israel. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. <laughs> I'm so glad that we as wild olive shoots have been grafted into this. This is such a beautiful thing. We have not replaced Israel. We don't replace them. We get to join with them. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. If that does not bring encouragement to your soul, if that does not revive your soul, then you didn't read what I just read. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness. How many of you guys came out of darkness? (laughs) All of us, right? If you didn't raise your hand, you missed it. All of us were called out of darkness into His wonderful light. What kind of God exchanges the darkness of our sin and gives us light immeasurable the father of lights who gives every good and perfect gift who would do that our god does and he calls us his treasured possession once you were not a people huh but now you are the people of god let's act like it once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy 